98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Bigly Blast. Kevin Durant is more than a basketball player. He's also a basket case. And like it or not, the team that gets him next, they're getting both. As Jerry Colangelo just pointed out in a recent interview with The Athletic, Durant would be the perfect short-term fix in Phoenix, giving Chris Paul a real chance at a title before his career reaches the finish line. But his mood changes are problematic. I mean, do you remember how he embarrassed James Harden on that All-Star game? game draft with LeBron James passing on Harden with each of his seven reserve picks and leaving him as the last player chosen it was a ruthless display of disrespect and you would think Harden is the last new teammate he wants moving forward well they were just partying together in London backstage at a Travis Scott concert spraying champagne like the championship they never won together and now they're apparently just fine with being teammates again and just yesterday, a bristling Duran objected to an unnamed source who suggested he might threaten to retire to get his way. He called it some comical bleep. Except what's really comical is that Durant feels justified in leaving Brooklyn even though they've given him everything he could possibly want. Durant has also gotten into it with fans on Twitter yesterday, insisting his legacy has never been stronger and in some, that's exactly what's making teams very scared to give up the farm for a player who, as soon as he gets where he's going, he's going someplace else. Alright, today's Bickley Blast brought to you by my great friends at Chapman BMW who make luxury attainable with two great locations and one great experience. Find them online at ChapmanBMW.com. I don't think that the Nets right now are interested in, in really trading him. And that's not to say that there isn't a deal to be made at some point. But as of right now, with what they've been offered, they're not interested in any of those deals from what I can can, uh, gather. Brian Windhorst from ESPN last night speaking about the Kevin Durant situation, which did take a turn yesterday. Mark Stein, a longtime NBA writer, wrote a piece uh, on his subscription service that uh, suggested, didn't suggest, it flat out said, him him talking to a very well-connected NBA executive that he trusts at a high level right. back in early July said, hey, Mark, I'm hearing Kevin Durant would rather retire than play for the Brooklyn Nets again. That was in early July. Kevin Durant did refute that on Twitter. You mentioned that in the blast. He called it comical, said, I'm not planning on retiring anytime soon. So that scenarios out the window. Mm. It doesn't clear up everything with his distaste for putting on a Brooklyn Nets uniform again. And the yep. next thing is uh, September 26th, September 27th, when camp gets underway for the Brooklyn Nets, if a uh, trade is not made by then, if, if Kevin Durant still has that strong desire to get out of town, to get to Phoenix or somewhere else, right? Um, he, he could, you know... Enact the next, the next act of of you know petulance, petulance, yeah, uh, difficulty, whatever you want to call it. Well, as as I sort of tried to handicap early on in this process, he, he if it was true, the initial report was that he wanted to go to Phoenix and or Miami, and we know from other independent reporting that the Phoenix interest was definitely very very real. 
if that were the case, then then July, in terms of Mark Stein having a conversation with an unnamed source that he trusts to the nth degree, then th- that would seem to make sense to me that because in July he was probably thinking sons are nothing. So to get to Phoenix, then, yeah, you would have to invoke the R word. Nope, I'll, I'm going to retire if you don't move me there. So you think you're getting nothing from Phoenix now? Just wait till you, you see what you get from me when I retire. But now we're in August. We're in middle of August, and reports are that his 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 net has widened, if you will, of, of places he might go. And I think that's just emblematic of the shifting nature of Kevin Durant. And so when this report surfaces yesterday – Describing a mindset that Kevin Durant had in July, Kevin Durant was quick to go on social media and say, that's garbage. I'm not thinking of retiring. That, to me, almost, for all the for all the belief that, oh, Kevin Durant came to Phoenix, what, what's he doing here? For all, the, for all the teasing that's gone on with this and for all the flickering hope, this, to me, just seems to be more proof that it's not going to be Phoenix where he ends up. No, and let's diagnose that a little bit. Mm-hmm. At one point of this process, you described Kevin Durant's desire to get to Phoenix is a borderline obsession. Yeah, that's what I was told. And people are saying it's because he wants to play with Devin Booker. He Mm -hmm. has experience playing with Devin Booker last summer, but going through the rigors of an NBA season, 82 games, playoff emotions, all that, is far different from being a member of Team USA for a two-week jaunt to Tokyo, where everybody on the planet knows you're going to win the gold medal. Yeah, And, and, And I'm not pinning this on Devin Booker. I'm pinning it on what you just talked about. The ever-changing desires of Kevin Durant. Mark Stein wrote about it in his piece. The hardened dynamic, meanwhile, is yet another wild layer. As I reported in February, Durant's relationship with the beard leading up to the Harden for Ben Simmons trade had deteriorated to the point that the former Oklahoma City teammates were hardly communicating. And then last week, like you said, they pop up in London at the Travis Scott concert. Then they jet on over to Barcelona. They're working out together there. Oh, I didn't even know they did that. Video surfaces from that endeavor. Oh, what a life. And, and, and it's now it's pronounced Barcelona. 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 <laughs> Ibiza. Yeah, right. We do know that it's not Ibiza. That's true. Um, and we know now that there, at least there's been reporting. You, you talked about that net widening. The Philadelphia 76ers are part of that wide net. Does oh, yeah. He, does he want to rekindle that seemingly dysfunctional, broken relationship with, with, with James Harden? Again, you don't know what you're going to get from this guy. Kevin Durant, if he got his way and got to Phoenix, and you don't know. Maybe it's a year-long, a year-long stay, and then he wants out next summer. And I will say this, and I'm not... I'm not totally off of the Suns pursuing this if they can. But Jerry Colangelo, you you read the quotes. He's Mm -hmm. on board with it, wants to see it happen. The Phoenix Suns have swung for the fences twice, basically, when they've been in position to win. Yeah. 92 with Charles Barkley. Uh And then in first place in in 08 with with Shaquille O'Neal. They're 0 for for 2 in those instances. Right. Oh, I would call it 1 for 2. I think the Barkley thing, people would do that all over again if they They could. They would, but uh, did it win you a ring? No, it didn't. But but this town sure acted like they won a ring, even though they finished second. Isn't that what we're at the point now? I mean, the Suns in 1993 were a 25 year old franchise. Now now it's getting close to their mid 50s. Yeah. And their back is hurting. (laughs) Yeah. 
<laughs> when they have to get up at right. night to pee. Their prostate's problematic. <laughs> they got a Corvette, though. Nope. They got a Corvette. <laughs> hey, dude. I don't know. They got a midlife crisis. I'm torn on it. They got a Corvette. That, that would be. They got a toupee. The Corvette. Uh-huh. No, the Kevin Durant would be getting the Corvette to try to, you know. Was that convertible? The, is that Corvette going to be in the shop? I don't know. There's a lot to talk about. We'll continue to talk about it. We'll be joined by Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider. Nice. Next, it's Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Dan Pickley, Vince Murata. Pickley and Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Tuesday edition of Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Akchin Community Studios. Here to talk basketball off-season with us from ESPN, NBA front office insider. Bobby Marks, our guest here on the Arizona Sports Line. Bobby, good morning. How are you? I'm good, guys. How are you? Good. Uh, wow. We keep getting these new wrinkles in this Kevin Durant story. Is he coming to Phoenix? Is he flying to Phoenix to work out? It's getting out of control, is he, Bobby. Is he retiring? Is he sitting out? I mean, at this point, if his desire, Bobby, remains to get out of Brooklyn, what, what do you foresee Kevin Durant's next step being? Uh, to report to training camp and play and improve your your stock that way. I mean, I think. I mean, I think we just. I mean, there's so much bad information out there. Like, you know, yesterday he was going to retire. Is he going to hold out? I mean, like, for Kevin Durant's not going to retire. Like, we, he's not. It's, it's not happening. Like, the the, the penalty I went through yesterday. The penalty system for a player retiring basically he's got to sit out a year. Kevin Durant's not sitting out a year. Um, Kevin Durant not reporting to Brooklyn for training camp. I mean, he's talking about legacy and his image. Uh, I think people will probably remember Kevin Durant a lot about what was happening now if he does that compared to what he did in Golden State and what happened in Oklahoma City. Um, so I think for the best interest of Kevin Durant is for Kevin Durant, Kevin Durant to show up in Brooklyn when training camp happens at the end of September to play. And eventually, I think there will be a trade that will present itself that will make sense for the Nets, whether it be in December, whether it be in January, maybe even closer to the February trade deadline but it doesn't I don't think it helps anybody out here at all for Kevin Durant to basically sit home uh, when when camp starts at the end of uh, at the end of September I, I agree with all of that but wasn't throwing Sean Marks and Steve Nash under the bus asking for two heads on a platter wasn't that sort of the preemptive strike as in how does Brooklyn welcome back or even expect back a player who is who is who views his head coach and GM like that how do they no, repair that yeah no, you're right. I mean, I think that was basically kind of the last resort where it was almost like on the one-month anniversary of when um, he asked to be traded. Um, there wasn't, as, as, we, as we've seen, there's nothing There's nothing out there. There's no deal on, on the horizon here. Um, and then, so what's my next move here as far as to kind of be somewhat of a dis- disruption? And it didn't work. I mean, they, you know, both guys are still employed. The, you had an owner come out publicly. I'm sure if Joe Sy had his choice, he probably would have said a lot more than just that you know that you know whatever 280 characters in that in that in that tweet here and um, so yeah I mean I th- I just thought all along like if you if you wanted Steve fired you should have just done it after the after the Boston series mm-hmm. like you could have you had you could have had your e- an easy way out where you could have went to ownership and said you know what you know he, you know Steve's not the right guy for this group instead of basically going on public you know on, on, on a public stage and say hey it was you know it was COVID and you know there was a lot of uh, distractions this year and Steve never had a, a fair a hand and you know so I think for Kevin's per sake I think he looked at 
shoot, I'm, I'm still in a Nets uniform. Um, we're, we're about six weeks away from training camp. Like, what's my next move? And his next move was to get the, you know, the, the, the two people, you know, in, either in the, in the coach and the, and the general manager fired. And it, and it didn't work out. It kind of it backfired on him. I've never seen that happen before where it's both. Um, so now kind of what, you know, what else can I do? Do I have any other cards in my, you know, in, in the hand here? And I, I, don't, I don't think he does unless he's a, a total, you know, a total disruption here. And we'll see if that's, that's what's going to be the case. Bobby Marks from ESPN, our guest here on Bickley and Murata Mornings. You alluded to it. Kevin Durant obviously is not convinced Steve Nash is the right head coach for the Brooklyn Nets. But you also made mention, Bobby, and I think this is fair, the two years that Steve Nash has been there have been very, very dysfunctional years for the Brooklyn Nets. Do, do you have any idea what kind of a head coach Steve Nash is at this point? And is he worth betting on if you're Joe Sy? I, I don't. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's you know, he got there, you know, he took over after Kenny Atkinson was let go. You basically, he had, you had a, you know, you, Kyrie goes off the reservation in December, right? Like, I, or I guess it was maybe early January. Like, I thought the, the Boston game, this was dating back, the Boston game on Christmas Day, 2020, I guess, I said it publicly. I said, like, this, if you're going to build a team and this is how a team's going to play, like, this is the best way to do it, where you had two superstars and then you had a bunch of good role players here. Kyrie goes off the reservation. You're forced to do a hardened trade. Um, you had, hey, you had a great 19-game sample there with those guys. And then you have the playoffs and you have injuries. Kyrie, Harden. So I don't know what type of coach, um, I don't know what kind of type of coach Steve Nash is. I don't know what he could do with a compliment of, you know, a 65-game sample of Simmons, Irving, and, and, and Durant here. And I think we're all kind of waiting to see that. And um, I said it last week. I thought that since Durant's been there, you know, besides the year that he set out because it was the injury, this is probably his best team that he has right now in Brooklyn. Not, not, not Golden State or not Oklahoma City, but within Brooklyn as far as um, with Simmons, if he's healthy, we'll see. To be able to go out and get Royce O'Neal and TJ Warren. You bring back uh, Claxton, Patty Mills. Joe Harris is back from an injury. Um, you get a full year of Kyrie here. So I thought this was the best opportunity. So, um, so yeah, I mean, going back to your point, I don't know what Steve, I don't know what type of Steve coach uh, is Steve Nash is just because he hasn't really had a, he hasn't had a full and, um, you know, in the last uh, last couple of years. All right. According to that Mark Stein report that that got Kevin kind of irritated yesterday, <laughs> uh, it, it pointed out that the change, the fundamental change between his relationship with the Nets is that the Nets actually want some control over the organization, and they yeah. don't want they don't want a co-matted situation between them and KD and Kyrie Irving, and that is reportedly scaring off some teams. As in, how how are we going to make him happy if all that stuff Brooklyn gave him doesn't make him happy what do you think is the real legacy on the line here is there a legacy on the line here how is this ultimately going to reflect on kevin durant yeah i mean i think the legacy would be if he didn't report if he held out um and basically pulled what his teammate ben simmons did a year ago um i think that would probably tarnish his legacy more uh everyone asked everyone in their career except for the few will ask to be traded at one point here i mean we can go back 25 30 years here i mean now we're in an age where it's more public um so i think there's certainly it's it's certainly highlighted i think for kevin's perspective i think i think he just wants to go to a place where there's no drama 
right? Like, I just think he wants to go out and play basketball and not worry about who's showing up to practice, what, you know, what's going on with Kyrie Irving, um, you know, what else can, is going on in the organization. And he hasn't had that in three years. Now, my, my argument with that is, okay, then why did you sign the extension last mm-hmm. offseason, right? You had two, you, you had two years of Kyrie already. You had a backseat to his, his, the first year when you were injured to see what he did. And you saw what happened the second year when you were healthy here. So why sign the extension? Why not play out this the past year and then see where the situation was in Brooklyn here? And then when he but when he signs it, man, you lose like so much. He lost so much leverage in the, in that here. So I would just say like the leg. I would say the legacy for Kevin would basically be. Um, you know, if he doesn't, if he doesn't report, you know, I think that, you know, hey, if he shows up, he plays, eventually gets re- traded. I think we all forget about. It. Look at Jimmy Butler. I mean, Jimmy Butler was, you know, wrecked havoc in Minnesota, and now we're talking about him as this <laughs> blue-collar guy. Like, man, like this guy plays hard every night. Man, he went in there and like, like was a destruction for like a whole week here. He's so, a wrecking ball. I yeah. Think, yeah, we eventually forget about it. But like when I think of Ben Simmons, I think about the guy that held out last year. I mean, that's what my my you know that's my take on Ben Simmons is. So, so I think that's for you know from my perspective on Kevin, uh, you know, with Kevin. Got it. Last question, real quick. Giannis uh, freaked out some Bucks fans in some interview <laughs> by mentioning he'd love to play for the Bulls sometime in the future. What do you make of that? I know. I think it's slow. I think we're in mid-August. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Fair. I, I get it. Like, I understand. Like, um, he probably could have answered it differently. I think he's probably too honest to, to a fault. Um, I think he's got a bunch of years left on his contract, and it will be interesting when he eventually does, does become a free agent. But, yeah, I mean, I think if, if he was probably in – I don't know where the interview was. If he was in Phoenix – and he said, "Hey, you know, you know, what do you, you know, the Suns, you know, they got this great team, and you know, Devin Booker just signed a supermax. You know, what were your thought about playing in a Suns uniform when you're?" And he probably said, "Yeah, I love Phoenix. Weather's great. Good job, you know." And that would probably been, you know, yeah, <laughs> probably the same thing. Yeah. Yesterday's headline. Yeah, yeah. Right. Bobby, uh, thank you as always for joining us. Really appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Bobby Marks, ESPN NBA front office insider, he joined us on the Arizona Sports Line. Coming up next, we know this: Kyler Murray is going to have a lot of different targets to throw to this year. How's it all going to work out? We got our first glimpse yesterday. Typically in Murata Mornings, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Camp Takeoff 2022 is a go. The home of Arizona Cardinals football, 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Yeah, they both practice today. Um, look good. Kyler looks sharp, and Hollywood looked fast. So that's what we're looking for, and we just got to keep building that rapport. Um, but we're down some of those tight ends, so did some ten personnel and lined up all four of those wideouts together. Look like. We could have some fun with that. Yeah, it's Cliff Kingsbury yesterday. Hollywood Brown, Kyler Murray on the practice field for the first time. August 15th was the first mm. time they were on the practice field together uh, after you know getting Hollywood Brown in April. That's saying something. Uh, but uh, the re- you know, results seem to be pleasing, and you heard Cliff Kingsbury talk about it there. After week seven, again, crossing your fingers and hoping for health. Mm-hmm. Having a four-wide receiver set of Hollywood Brown, 
DeAndre Hopkins, Rondale Moore, A.J. Green remains a possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, there's interchangeable parts at the tight end spot. Zach Ertz, you know what he's able to do. Trey McBride, to me, Bick, right now has been one of the biggest mysteries of training oh, yeah. camp because they're excited about him. But Cliff Kingsbury is getting kind of antsy about bit. getting getting him back on, on the field to practice. He's been bothered by that back injury. Yeah, and first it was a day off for fatigue, and then... Kind of first, mo- it was just like a day off. Yeah. Then yeah, a day they off. Kind of morphed for- into something yeah, a little yeah. bit. And it's continuing yeah. to morph, apparently. <laughs> it's continuing to morph. Yeah, here's, uh, I, I'll, I'll tell you this. I, I am even more excited to see what Trace McSorley does in an encore performance. If, if he puts forth another game like he did, then he's going to be announcing, I am ready to be a quarterback in the National Football League. But more to the point, more than having a guy, because here's the way I look at it. If Trace McSorley, clearly you're not going to cut Colt McCoy. You're paying him too much money, and you value his mentorship and his leadership too much. He's a very important piece in the ongoing maturation of Kyler Murray. But if you get into a situation where, knock on wood, God forbid, Kyler Murray gets hurt, you might have a situation where there might be a debate, maybe even just among Cardinal fans, about who should be the backup. Would it be Trace McSorley or Colt McCoy in that situation? Now, Colt was great in that role last year, pretty much, two of three games, won two of three games, and that's more than you can ask from a backup quarterback. And two of those games are division games, and both were on the road. Mm -hmm. But Trace McSorley, you can basically run the exact same offense as you do with Kyler Murray, and you can see the kid has got some juice in him, and he's got some swag to him. And I'm really, really curious about this. I, I think that if he puts forth another great performance... Contextually speaking, you've got to keep three quarterbacks on your roster. And, and But I also think what, watching Trace McSorley, at least in the first preseason game and maybe in this next one, not only gives you something to replace Kyler Murray with, but it gives Kyler Murray a visual of what he can be if he gets up under center like Trace McSorley did with the play actions and the waggles and the bootlegs. That stuff, looked, that stuff made the offense pop. Yes. Did we get a final count on how many times? Or they were under center. I, I, I think it was probably forty to fifty percent. Was it that much? I think. Wow. And and even Kyler Murray was sending Guarantano up under center in the place he called. So I don't know if what we saw in in last week's preseason game is going to apply to Kyler Murray. We're going to have probably have to wait to week one to see that to see if he's up under center that much more often. If he's operating play action and bootlegs and rollouts and that kind of stuff because that. It, Trace McSorley did that at a very interesting, compelling level in week one. So I, I'm real curious to see what he does. He might come out and and look completely different. And as I said, in terms of Trace's game in, in that victory over the Bengals, there were a couple of passes that were right in the hands of the defenders and they dropped. Sure. So you throw two, if you throw two, if you lop two interceptions on top of that performance, maybe we're not talking about it the same way. No, we're definitely not talking about it the same way. <laughs> I agree with you on one point that the McSorley, um, you know, the, the usage of him under center can provide the visual. Visual. visual uh, because Nick his game. Vigil. <laughs> candlelight vigil. <laughs> Uh, because his game resembles Kyler Murray's 
a little bit more than Colt McCoy's. Yes, does. but I, I, I but I don't want to elevate the performance too much. I, okay. I think Colt McCoy as a backup quarterback is exactly what you're looking for, and I think that's what Kyler Murray lacked. With all due respect to Brett Hundley, in his first couple years in the yeah. league, uh, was a, a guy that had a lot of experience, was a veteran, was older, had seen all the uh, all the things to see, and had seen it through different you know with with different organizations. So. Um, now I'm I'm not sitting here advocating for for Trace McSorley not to be on this team. I think it would be wise to keep three quarterbacks uh, because um, you know you saw what he's capable of doing in, in running the offense. Uh, Trace McSorley, by the way, was on with uh, Wolf and Luke yesterday. They asked him about the rap song. If it gets stuck in his head, not usually it will get stuck in my head though. Uh, a lot of times, like it'll, it'll get sent to me or something, and I'll like open up something on like social media, and that song will be there, and then it'll get stuck in my head a little bit. <laughs> That's pretty funny. He also evaluated his own performance against the Bengals on Friday. Yeah, you know, I think I think it was a solid overall performance. Like we were able to score some points, we were efficient. Um, you know, felt like we, we played clean, no turnovers, no penalties, that type of stuff. Uh, there were a few things that I could do better, just as far as being a little bit more efficient, finding easier completions, um, probably not getting, you know, probably got a little too greedy at times. Uh, you know, trying to force the ball down the field into a, into a matchup. Um, so th- that was kind of the main thing that you know, I kind of took out of it was I had a couple other you know easier completions I could have just taken to be a little bit more efficient. And I don't have the full total, but I'm looking at the the, the play by play on the official game sheet from the NFL. Uh, the first drive, nine plays. Trace McSorley was under center four times, including the third and one touchdown down pass to Bocelli. Uh, the second possession, they had it for eight plays. It was almost all shotgun except for the first down handoff to Jonathan Ward. So uh, you okay. know, probably the percentage, I mean... The, Maybe the, I'm the, a little overshooting it a little bit. The next bit. percentage okay. uh, on first down, he was under center again. But, but the percentage, I'm sure, is higher than what we're used to yeah, that's in, in the Arizona is, offense. Which is why I'm probably exa- exaggerating. Yeah, it higher than the normal percentage of zero. <laughs> Or close to zero. Um, But I I think that's a great point. And with the success that they had with it, who knows? I I don't think we'll see Kyler Murray tinker with it in, in the preseason. Cliff Kingsbury made it kind of clear, hey, we're going to treat the starters similarly to last week when it comes to uh, playing time. So mm-hmm. these guys are going to get more run, and they're going to get national TV run wearing black helmets on Sunday. Oh, that's yeah, that's going to be good. I, in fact, I just went back and looked at the helmets. even better looking in person. Where so is it? See it. It's in Big Boss Man's office. Yeah, the big, yeah. The big Boss Man. Yeah. Did you tell him, can we, ha- can we have it? <laughs> can we have it? <laughs> Can we have it again? Is it going back? I, or think, is... I think the last thing he wants is that helmet on your furry head. Okay. Oh, <laughs> Mr. Uh, Baldy over here. No, no. Yeah, right, right, right. You wouldn't put it on? Have you ever worn a football helmet? Yeah, I, uh, yeah. Have I ever worn a foot? No, Jared. Tell me what it's like. Well, I've never worn Jared one. Jock. I've never even put one on. You've heard of really? Jared Jack? You're Jared Jock. That's right. <laughs> Look, you guys both have a lot of experience wearing helmets. They're just made of hair. <laughs> hair helmets, right? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, it's Dave. Uh, coming up, we continue. <laughs> Give-a-thon week for Phoenix Children's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Auction Indian community. That's next here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Give-a-thon for Phoenix Children's is presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Auction Indian community. 
88.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, and the Arizona Sports app. Give us on on the Bigley and Marauder Show. It is Give Thon Week for Phoenix Children's, presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and Akchin Indian community here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. And why do we do this every single year? We because do this it's important. Because kids can't wait, and right. because it's important, and because Phoenix Children's is such a uh, a pillar of our community since 1983. And imagine how many, uh, how many kids have been treated there over the years, and how many kids are treated there on a yearly basis now. 400,000 outpatient visits just last year alone. A lot of people who drive by the 51 see Phoenix Children's and they're like, wow, that's a cool building. If you've never been inside, I'm telling you, it, it blows your mind how colorful it is, how inviting it is, how, how how they really work hard to kind of kind of put a sense of normalcy and hope and, and happiness in the air that sort of belies a lot of the heavy, heavy stuff that's happening. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I don't know if you ever hospitalized when you were a kid. <laughs> I was once. Uh, yeah, it was uh, something out of Halloween, right? When, when you think of hospitals, you think cold, white, sterile, yes. Yes. uninviting, sterile. grayish walls, scary. Yeah, that yeah. is All the that complete stuff. opposite exactly. of what Phoenix Children's Yeah. Brings. So the first time you walk into it, you're immediate, you immediately know, wow, this place is special. And and they just they gear everything for the for the comfort and the healing of our children. And so as Vinny pointed out, it's very, very important. Thank you to everybody who has donated so far, who have become a champion of hope. Thank you to everybody who is about to become a champion of hope. You're contributing to a great, great cause. Yeah, um, and your your money goes a long way because we've pointed this out a, a few times. 70 plus Phoenix Children's programs and services are funded entirely or partially by philanthropy. Without donor support, Phoenix Children's would not be able to offer programs and services like art therapy, music therapy, animal assisted therapy. I don't know if you've ever had that experience, Bick, taking the tour at, at Phoenix Children's and going room to room with the animal, the the, the dog therapy. I have not oh, done that. Fantastic. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And we already mentioned the one darn cool school, which plays a critical role in the healing process for patients and their families and helps the kids at Phoenix Children's stay up to date on their schools. How can you help? You can become a champion of hope. That's a $20 per month donation to Phoenix Children's. When you do that, a teddy bear will be delivered to a patient in your name. And uh, you also receive your choice of a kid's pass at Wildlife World Zoo or a cobblestone car, car wash. Uh, the easiest way for you to become a champion of hope right now is to call one of our reps at the Desert Financial Phone Bank. Our volunteers are standing by. That phone number is 602-933-4567. That's 602-933-4567 is the uh, phone number. Uh, and it, like I said, every dollar counts. It, it, it all goes a long way. And speaking of dollars, Sarah's along with a, another check presentation from the great people at Madame Homes. Well, I am here with Don Barano, the division president of Madame Homes. Don, it is so wonderful to have you here. Thank you for your time. Thanks for inviting me. Of course. So let's just jump right into it. I would love to know why it is important for you and Madame Homes to participate in the Giveathon for Phoenix Children's Hospital. You know, at Madame, we're always looking for uh, sincere opportunities to be involved. And if we have a, a connection, that makes it even better. 
and and we've been on the lookout for a more marquee opportunity in the Phoenix market, and we've got some employees, uh, three that I know of off the top of my head, that have had uh, family members at, at the Children's Hospital and have had both great experience, lives have been saved, and, and the families have been put back together, and that helped drive our passion to say, we want to get involved this year. You're our Stories of Hope sponsor this year, so we can't thank you enough for your involvement. Would you mind sharing how Mattamy Homes fundraised for this event? We're going to make a, just an outright company donation, uh, just straight straight off the top, and then uh, we'll be encouraging, and I expect a lot of involvement in terms of money raising on behalf of our employees here in the Phoenix market. So again, we've got a great giving spirit uh, on this team, um, which makes it which is a lot of fun. I enjoy that. And, um, <laughs> hey, we do too. <laughs> yeah, and um, so I, I think beyond just our straight donation, I think uh, we'll be fundraising pretty effectively across our, our staff. Now, would you mind sharing what that straight donation is? It's uh, $5,000. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tom. You're welcome. Thank you to Don and everybody at uh, Mattamy Homes. And uh, as Sarah mentioned there, they nice. are the sponsor for our Stories of Hope uh, this year. But uh, you can help out as well. You can become a champion of hope right now. $20 per month and get a teddy bear into the hands of a patient at Phoenix Children's. Call the Desert Financial Phone Bank, 602-933-4567. That's 602-933-4567 to become a champion of hope. And it is time for another story of hope presented by Mattamy Homes. Not all the stories that we share with you about the amazing place called Phoenix Children's have a happy ending. How does a family who loses a daughter at the age of three months tell their story? What did Phoenix Children's give to the Jansen family? Time. This is Kendall's story. Hi, this is Mike. And I'm Nikki Jansen. And this is our family's story. Wanted to have kids for quite a long time. We were able to have Cole and Adam. They were born in 2009. We were just so elated. In 2012, kind of a surprise of our life, Kendall was going to be arriving in September of 2012. Truly a gift and a miracle. We found out that she was a she, a girl. And also we found out that next breath that she was going to have quite a few challenges. We knew that her heart was unique to her alone. That's when PCH entered our lives. Because when you love someone, you open up your heart. She was initially diagnosed with Tetralogy of Fallot. She also had absent pulmonary valve syndrome, a very compromised heart, and also did not have a valve. So her heart was significantly enlarged, which impacted her breathing, her ability to digest food. The doctors told us they weren't quite sure if she would make it to birth. We were set up with Banner Health to prepare for her delivery and then would be transported over to Phoenix Children's Hospital. She was in the hospital for 10 days. We were able to take her home. She was able to stay home with us, I believe, for 38 days or something like that. The doctors were very open with us that it wasn't if she would have complications. It was just a matter of when. I knew something wasn't right. She wasn't breathing right, and she looked like she was becoming more and more distressed. We took her to an emergency room. She seemed to be stabilized, came back home, and then the last time, we just kind of knew that 
this was going to be a stay at Phoenix Children's Hospital. Then tragedy struck. She had a massive heart attack. And that's where, unfortunately, she had a stroke and became, um, didn't have any brain activity. And the doctors guided us through that. Division of Life Care Services that also guided our young boys who were three at the time through that struggle. The nurses there were second to none. Um, can't say enough about the staff at Phoenix Children's Hospital. I do a lot of coaching here in our community, and so I coach different age kids. My mind wanders quite a bit, you know. I wonder what Kendall would be like, or I wonder what she would look like, or I wonder what she'd be into. So, yeah. We were so fortunate that we had this incredible hospital in our backyard. Money is a big concern, and if you can give to help with giving the top-notch care to have that support in this fantastic facility with all the workers that specialize in these things and not have to worry about that piece when going through something like this was what we needed. There was always hope. Oh, thanks to uh, Nikki and Mike for telling Kendall's story, which, again, does not have a happy ending. No. But you heard Nikki say something there at the end, Bick. Uh, top-notch care. And that's a great way to put uh, you know put a label on, on what families, what children get at Phoenix Children's when they do become patients. And, uh, you know, you can help. You can help families like Kendall's family and all the other stories that you've heard today. And you'll continue to hear this week here on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station, where asking you to become a champion of hope a $20 per month donation by calling the Desert Financial Phone Bank at 602-933-4567 that's 602-933-4567 the music means whatever you donate right now is being matched by one of our great partners and this match uh, is uh, being handled by AZ Kids Experience so thanks to them, their generosity if you call and you give a one time gift of $100 it becomes $200. If you give a monthly gift of $20, it becomes $40 thanks to AZ Kids Experience. We're asking you to become a champion of hope, $20 per month. And uh, when you do that, just know that a teddy bear will be delivered to a patient in your name uh, when you do become a champion of hope. That phone number again is 602-933-4567. 602-933-4567. This match, courtesy of AZ Kids Experience, will run through the duration of the next commercial break. So Don't donate in honor of Kendall. Yeah, in, in honor of Kendall, if that story moved you, yeah. uh, that's a great time to become a champion of hope. And uh, do it now at 602-933-4567 as we continue. give on week for Ch- Phoenix Children's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers. Before I do this, we got to mention the train Teddy Bear Express is making its rounds again. That's the noise you hear right now. Nice. Uh, those teddy bears that uh, you donate are being delivered to patients in your name. It is give on week for Phoenix Children's presented by your Valley Hyundai dealers and the Ak-Chin Indian community. 